0: Hello, welcome to Jesus TV, and this is another episode of Jesus in this mess, and we hope to find Jesus in this mess. And we hope that our episode is not too messy. Sometimes it gets a little messy linguistically, it always gets messy over there in Emily's corner. Tell us what you're doing artistically with Jesus.
1: Um. Well... I am not quite sure because I'm never quite sure. Uh, I know that I want this brown to be a lot darker. Like, this is what it looks like when it's wet. That's the color I actually want it. Oh. And this is like cloudy. So, I'm trying to figure out how to mix mud and dirt and mix it with some different mediums to try to get it dry this color. Um, so, I think I'm gonna work on that. I don't I mean, I don't really know where I'm gonna go with it. I have uh, this new toy today. This is a what's a molar? You can like grind stuff into really fine powders even more than what I was using last week, and you can mix your stuff together. Um, so you can mix up paint with it, I guess. I don't know. I've never used one. And I don't really have the right painting medium. I keep forgetting to buy it. So I'm just going to use what I have, and we're going to see what happens. But that's kind of what I'm thinking today. Uh, Excellent. Although Excellent. I do have some good thoughts for our episode today, unless you guys do.
0: Oh, you share off. Start, start us off on some good Jesus thoughts.
1: Okay. So because it kind of reminds me, like mountains just have reminded me of this. So this morning, I actually woke up on time. I don't know, I actually got on here. On time, I woke up on time. Uh, I like to do a little bit of worship with my kids in the morning on Sundays. Um, and so today we just like read the scriptures and we just kind of read like a children's Bible kind of a thing. And, uh, they wanted to know a little bit more about Moses and the golden calf. They just saw the picture and it looked interesting. And I was like, well, you can't start there. You got to go, you got to go farther back. <laughs> you have to know why they were imprisoned and all of that. So we actually started reading about Joseph, um, and how he ended up in Egypt with his brothers, right? And uh, I can't read that without, without thinking of Joseph's with an amazing or dream coat. Love that show. Anyway, um, so it's kind of funny. I just kept singing the songs in my head as I'm reading this story. But, uh, but what it reminded me of, and one of my kids at the end, I'm really happy he caught this. He's like, so the brothers, by trying to kill him and then selling him, actually made it so he became their leader like in the dream. And I was like, yeah, they did. And so it just reminded me of the whole idea of that our life going... You know, I was thinking about the question I was asking myself was, you know, God's plan always works out. But my thing is, you know, do you think, do you guys think there's like a plan for each of us in our life that's like set in stone? Or do you think there's like this, I don't know, I was just kind of thinking of the whole idea, like coordination, preordained, like that's sort of the thought I was having. But the, it all just kind of reminded me of the idea of like, your life, does, my life, and I know your lives haven't gone the path that you expected. And even if your life is not going the path that you expect, is that part of God's plan all along? Like with Joseph, he's like, I have this dream and I can interpret these dreams and I'm going to be you know, your leader and this and they're just like, what? Our little brother? Teenage brother, our leader? No, we don't want that. We're like, screw this. We're throwing you in a pit and we're selling you off to these guys. You know. And then he goes off to Egypt and there's like the whole Potiphar wife thing and he gets thrown in jail again. And then it's like, I don't know. So that's kind of what I was considering. I was just thinking about life taking unexpected turns. And is that part of God's plan? And is that all like this mountain thing that I'm building here? Is that all part of like this mountain, this, this area that we're building? I don't know.
0: Well, That's kind of thought, where I was thinking. One thought that occurs to me, uh, Jesus has me study just lightly quantum physics. And I know the reason he does it 's like a parable of the quantum physics, the parable of the quantum entanglement um, is what i 'd call it so he 's teaching me a parable.' It'd be like teaching a fishing parable, but do I have to become a fisherman to understand this he's like no you don't have to be a fisherman. Do I even have to catch any fish you don't have to catch any fish, but just understand there's these things called nets, and you throw them in okay and and and, and there 's fish, and they like to eat things and So same thing with the quantum physics is like, oh, good. I don't have to learn chemistry. Not at this time, Greg. But one of the things that he draws my attention to is the strange nature um, of the leading edge of um, any science, but in particular, quantum physics. Um, These very smart people, some people would call them some of the smartest people because it's very complex stuff and it involves um, math, the, the only way you can really understand it deeply is to understand the language of math deeply and like, oh, I'm glad I don't have to learn that language, no, nor Mandarin Chinese nor French. just yeah, just let me keep English, Jesus, thank you. Um, so far, so good. But they have a language that they can barely uh, express this thing. For instance, like electrons. Okay, so there's this thing called electron. And it's here. And it's a particle. Oh, I understand what particles are. But it's not just a particle. It's a wave. Okay, where does it rest? Where is it? Oh, doesn't rest? Well, point to it. Where's it at? You can't. Why? Because it's always not there. (laughs) Where what, what are you talking about? It's a particle and it's a wave. And so if you start deep diving a little bit into this, you go, that's just weird. And then they go like, oh, you have seen nothing. If you want to see something really weird, it's called quantum entanglement, where you can have these two particles that you entangle, kind of like two people, and you have them interact. Say Jonathan and I, we met each other, and we became entangled. And here's the thing. Once we're entangled, um, if Emily comes and sees one of us, just one of us, not not me, maybe Jonathan. She sees Jonathan. Well, she knows something about Greg. Well, why? Did Greg call her? No. They're entangled. Really? So if Jonathan's circling, you know, around clockwise, she goes, ah, I see what you're doing. You're. Pacing clockwise. Well, she knows something about Greg. He also is doing the same thing, but counterclockwise. So they call these spins. (laughs) Like, what? What? Just because they interacted, yet they got entangled. And so you say, well, why is that? Well, now you've asked a question the smartest people on the earth, mortals, cannot answer. And so your thought like what what are you doing here jesus because i believe we're entangled with jesus (laughs) and we're supposed to recognize that um what are you doing here like when something happens did you purpose that to happen or did you permit that to happen now you're at a fundamental question because that's called the problem of evil if there's really a god why does he let these things go on and so religious people have to, have to wrestle with those. And, and it's, it's, a, it's like an electron. You're never really going to be able to pin that baby down because you're a mortal. And mortals can't think like a god. They can't think like an electron. Um, but that's the nature of it. At least it appears to be the nature of it. In other words, there are things we just can't understand. But we can move towards understanding. And here's where we're at. Jonathan and Emily and Greg were grown up in the United States of America, which is called Western thought. There's another general pattern of thought. It's called Eastern thought. And it's different than Western thought, but it's actually on the rise within, guess where? America, physicists, generally speaking, we are realizing that we have to think differently about things that we thought. So for instance, in Western thought, it's kind of like a linear thing. Uh, A plus B equals C. Well, what if A plus B equals uh, red? What? That doesn't make sense. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what, these quantum physicists, I I can still remember this quote. Um, They had their Newtonian science, Okay, Newton, apple drops, there's the, uh, that's called gravity, and they they have these descriptions, and so they started describing the world, and Newtonian physics really explained the world, that's kind of how we, because it's so common, it's so obvious, so when they started having the capacity to look, um, and and everything seemed to follow these rules, I see Jonathan, everything seemed to follow these rules as expected, and the more science they do, like, oh yeah, that's following the rules, And they would get better and better at looking deeper and deeper, like smaller and smaller thing. And when they got down to the level of the atom, right below the level of the atom, they started seeing way weird things, that it wasn't operating. It was like they entered another realm. Maybe it's a parable for what heaven's like or what God's like. But here's the quote. The guy said, we were expecting when we got down to that level, that we would see, um, you know, you'd see somebody standing there with uh, a, uh, a shirt on, and out, out of their shirt sleeve would be a hand, but it wasn't a hand. It was a lobster claw. <laughs> you can imagine I'm sitting there you're like, oh my goodness, what the heck? There's a lobster claw. People don't have lobster claws, and it blew their minds. In fact, the observation I just told you about quantum entanglement—it spooked, it scared Einstein. Because sometimes, but he knew it was true. He's like, "Dang it!" Uh, and and so he theorized, "Well, maybe we're not seeing all of it." So he theorized this in-between variable, whatever, and that's proven. Nope, sorry, Einstein. That's not the thing that what you were being spooked by, it seems to line up with the data. And so, this God we worship, if you get closer and closer to Him, it's like you're getting closer and closer to a mystery, and it becomes not less, more mysterious. The more things you know quite solidly about God, the more unexpected, um, and so then you have to start gravitating towards understandings that sound like this, and this is where it's beautiful that Jonathan, Emily, and I, we geek out on what we often forget is Eastern philosophies. It's called the Book of Mormon. It came from our peoples long time ago. They also thought not in a Western way, they thought in an Eastern way. And one of them coined this phrase, because Jesus told him uh, about his firstborn in the wilderness, um, that righteousness could not be brought to pass um, unless there was opposition in all things, that there was, um, that, there, that people needed to um, have the yin, the yang, light and dark, and that darkness had a place to, to play in understanding the light. And it was really hard for light seekers (laughs) because that's where we came up in a culture, like get as much light as you can. What about the darkness? That's unfortunate. They didn't say, oh, that's so fortunate. No, but Eastern philosophy goes, oh, it's so wonderful that we have darkness. Oh, sweet darkness. I love the darkness and the light too. Love the light. So, yin and yang, whatever, I won't go much further, but that's really um, a rugged parable to respond to what you're saying, Emily, which is it? What if it's both? Oh now that's what starts cooking my noodle because i'm I'm like, Jesus, you're telling me that it can be both things at once that's it's my idiocy that led to these conditions that's correct, and you designed it that way yes I give unto men weaknesses Uh, okay you gave me this weakness yeah for a wise purpose in me and so are you purposing for me to do this I don't know did I purpose for Adam and Eve to partake of the fruit Uh, I don't think so who put that that fruit they were supposed to partake of in that garden Greg Uh, that'd be you who knew what they were going to do that'd be used? Oh, now I know, Jesus, you make everything happen. Do I? Because um, you know about free agency. They were free agents. They didn't have to do that. In fact, I commanded them not to. And so I'm like, when is this going to resolve? Well, see, that's the thing. I believe it's not. Um, it's just, yes, it's going to, and no, it's not. As soon as you resolve one, another one pops up. Like, is that ever going to stop or going to say, We know it all. I don't think so. I think that's the pattern. It's like we're all going to be like little children for the rest of our lives, always discovering (laughs) the obvious. And That's the funny thing. A lot of things that I know when I'm on the path of truth, I'm declaring something that's so freaking obvious. It's obvious to everybody, but they're ignoring it. Um, And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I've arrived at something. And it's kind of like uh well anyhow i don't know if that um it, let me tie it back more strongly to your your comment um, emily does god design these things i've decided to believe he does and so it's my working theory like bad stuff happens thank you jesus good stuff happens thank you jesus um well greg some of those bad things that was just your idiocy thank you jesus for my idiocy and thank you for other people's idiocy too Well, Greg, that's dangerous thinking. Yes, thank you for dangerous thinking. It's brought me closer to you. What are you going to do? Praise the Lord? Well, what what choice do I have? Well, Isaiah prophesied that some people do have a choice. Curse God and die. (laughs) Like, okay, that's, that's one of the choices. Or just stand still and watch his deliverance. And by the way, when he says stand still and watch his deliverance, he never lets you stand still very long. Oh, go over there and pick up that rock. And move it over there. Are you just trying to keep me busy, or does that rock need to be there? Both, both. Well, that comes kind of frustrating because I'm moving rocks, and you're just moving rocks to get teach me something. Then later I learn, oh, he needed rocks over there because Jonathan was going to need some rocks. Why does Jonathan need rocks? Eh, Jesus wants him to move rocks. Apparently, Jesus is into rocks. Jesus rocks. Hallelujah. He likes classic rock. Okay, I end with that. Everything leads to classic rock with me, by the way. And Jesus, and he's the rock of our salvation, the star that we should follow. You're on, Jonathan.
2: So I have a couple of thoughts, but I I wanted to check and see if Emily wanted to respond to anything Greg had said first. Okay.
0: (laughs) There's nothing to respond to there, my friend. (laughs) It's just the color that she's looking for and to put on that painting. A little darker, she wants though, and that's an inside joke. But people with ears to hear and a twisted mind will know what I'm saying. Okay, go ahead, Jonathan.
2: Um. So I, uh, I think my my answer or thought is something similar to Greg's. Um, uh, I loved how you brought that to gratitude at the end um, because that does seem to be the choice. Um, and that that is what is helpful about believing that God is purposing everything, or at least permitting that that it's like um, if you can be grateful in all things, then it invites the light in. Um, like Joseph being sold into Egypt, you know, it's like, um, and it seems like like those who are in a state of kind of rebelling are always trying to kind of squash what God's doing. <laughs> Like God says to to uh, Joseph, I'm going to have you rule over your parents and over your brethren, and um, it's almost like you know they they hear that, and I I've seen it's like oftentimes the first reaction of somebody who hears a truth that they don't like is I mean it's it's actually violent I mean literally I mean they they will do all they can to to stamp that out, like, and if they see God moving in a way that they think threatens something, you know, about what they've created in their lives or whatever, um, it's, and it's almost otherworldly, the, um, the vehemence with which they will, uh, they will seek to, to stamp it literally out of existence. You know, it's like the first goal of the brothers was to kill him, right? So. Um, It's like, if we can just kill him, then this won't happen. And see, that's not even a, a, like, let's suppose that he's just crazy. They're not reacting the way that somebody would react to a crazy person. Does that make sense? Oh, it's a great
0: point. Yeah, that's right. If they're crazy, just blow them off and say, he thinks he's going to rule over us.
2: Yeah. Uh You're my little brother, you know, grow up. But the truth is, is that they heard some truth in what he said. Otherwise, they would not have reacted in the way that they did. very good point
0: yeah very good point um yeah the 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 wicked take the truth to be hard it's not like they didn't take it they take it to be hard
2: just took it to be hard now it doesn't mean they'll always be wicked either right Right. because the parable or the story comes full circle but that's often the reaction is that it's it's a desire to stamp something completely out of existence um you see the truth and it's like you don't want it to just go away so, so they wanted to kill him at first. And then it was like, and I've always been touched by Reuben because Reuben, Reuben was a good guy. He was conspiring to try to save Joseph. You know, he was like, he was like, okay, just put him in the pit. You know, and he's thinking I can come back and get him later. That's the way the story goes is something like that. And then when Reuben finds out that, uh, that they sold him excuse me that they sold him he um he's just he he's just completely distraught you know um and so anyways so that's what the first reaction oftentimes is but god is merciful in the sense that like so here comes judgment okay now judgment comes upon unbelievers right it's like is anybody able to really be good well, Joseph wasn't good. Um, yeah, he was actually, but but he was, um, uh, you know. But he kind of sounds like a flippant kid. You know, it's like those are the kind of dreams that you, you you know, you share humbly. And he was just kind of throwing it out there. Maybe I don't know.
1: <laughs> That's right. But,
2: but the point being is that it's like it's like you know, did he do everything that he could have done perfectly? No, not necessarily but um it's not about that it's about belief that's why i bring it up so you know nobody's able to be perfect in this life but what you can do is you can believe or you cannot believe now if you don't believe and i am actually going to come back full circle to this the question i'll try to be quick here so if you don't believe the gift that god gives us is judgment there's somewhere where it says that some will be redeemed through judgment And so what happens when you don't believe, when you become angry and trying to kill your brother, and when you can't kill him, you sell him as a slave. I mean, this is just, you know, horrible stuff. What happens when you do that? What happens when you turn upon the servants of God, upon those in whom God is working? When you try to fight the things of God, what happens is a judgment comes. Now, the judgment is a gift, because what the judgment does is it, brings it brings about hardship so there's like a curse a curse comes by not believing so his brothers and his family had to go through many years and some trials to get them to a point where they would be willing to consider the thing that they hated And it worked its work, right? So, and the same story about the children of Israel, you're going to get to that with your kids, I'm sure eventually, but they're asking about the golden calf. Well, of course, now there's going to come, you know, years of slavery, which is going to work upon the people even more upon the Israelites, even more to make them open, right? So God's judgments coming down upon the people, making them open. So this is like that thing of, like Greg was talking about, yin and yang, light and darkness good stuff, bad stuff. And the bad stuff is working. The curses, you could say, are working their work. What do they do? It's like the sun beating upon a compost pile. It's breaking it down to be what? Fertile soil. So that eventually those who've suffered are this fertile soil to receive, to finally receive the word of God. And that's fascinating because that, because Jesus gives this parable he talks about the sower who, when he throws out seed, he says, some of it fell in the, you know, where it was trampled, some fell in thorns, and then some fell in fertile ground. So there are some people whose hearts are fertile ground. Well, what makes fertile ground? Well, topsoil, topsoil takes 500 years to create an inch of topsoil. So it's like you get some people who come into this world and they're just ready for the truth. Well, why is that? I think it's because they're really old. (laughs) It's like they've been broken down. They've experienced maybe some of the curses of God or some of the difficult things that come when you don't believe the word of God. And so some people are fertile soil, which makes us that brings it all the more to the point that you can't judge because. It's like you're saying, well, this person isn't receiving the word of God. Well, yeah, but it just may be that they are not yet fertile soil. They're too young. They haven't experienced enough hardship. So this is not answering the question. I got to get to the question. The question is about whether, um, God intends everything in our lives. And, um, Of course, I don't completely know, like there's this idea in the scriptures that he's all knowing and that he knows the future, but that doesn't necessarily mean he purposes all of the future. Um, I don't, I don't know, but I think, I think what I've come to um, is that I'm going to act as if I'm going to have gratitude as if everything is a gift from God and. To throw the wrench into that works, um, I remember once I had an experience. I had so I don't normally talk ton about this, at least on on YouTube, but I'll say a little bit about it. I had a a very close friend, one of my dearest friends in life, who for whom the veil was really thin, and um, this person could see um, things on the other side the way. Um, now, I don't know if if this person could see with their eyes, necessarily. it was perhaps more of a mental thing. but um, this person um, could could communicate with people on the other side of the veil. Well, I had an experience once where something happened, and I was like, what went wrong? and And she had a sense that there was um there was somebody there who conveyed um a message to me about it. And do you know what the message was? Um, the message was that it was dumb luck <laughs> uh-huh. that had caused the whole thing to happen. Um, oh, I remember what it was. I, 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 I'd, I'd had my laptop stolen at a time when I needed a laptop. And, um, and I was like, what did I do? Was I not in tune? I should have parked the car in another place. I should have locked the door. And, um, and this person conveyed to me, and, and I had kind of a knowing that, That she was right about about this, Um, that it it was just dumb luck. But I remember it surprised me because I had been living my life as if everything was, everything that happened was of God and had a purpose. And the fact that an angel or, or this being that conveyed this wisdom suggested that there was such a thing in God's economy as dumb luck like it kind of blew my my <laughs> paradigm a little bit and i'll one last thing, one last thing is that i just recently listened to a bunch of near-death experiences and in a couple of them i remember in one of them one of the ladies said that that um they conveyed to her when after she died that there would come certain things in her life and she had a question about that like is everything kind of foreordained and um and what was conveyed was that, that you know, if everything was preordained, then it would take away agency, but that there were certain things that were foreordained. She was told about after you go back, you know, she had to go back to her body. After you go back, these certain things will happen. These three, four, five, seven, 10, I don't know how many things will happen. But like there was a, what was conveyed is that these particular things, no matter what she chose no matter what other people chose because they had been foreordained that one way or another and and they could come in different ways right so it's like like joseph you know wow we're gonna thwart it we're gonna do this and god's like okay well no matter what you do i'm gonna make this happen and so um so that actually was kind of a helpful resolution to me to that, to, to hear her talk about that. It was like, oh, okay. So it's like, it's like, perhaps not everything is foreordained. Maybe God knows everything ahead of time, but he doesn't necessarily foreordain everything. But if God has said it, if he said that it will come to pass, it will come to pass, no matter what you do to try to change it. And I'll turn it back over to Emily or Greg or, or whatever, but. It took me a long time to get through all that, but that's my thought on it, so.
1: Yeah, I can kind of summarize a little bit. So, um, kind of what I've caught from both of you is the idea that there's both. Some things just happen, and they just do. And other things, they they are necessary to happen. Um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I, I caught from both of you. Yeah. Um, one of the ideas that kind of jumping back to what Greg said that stuck out to me was um, talking about the atoms and like, where are they? or oh, they're here, but they're not here, but they're here. You know, they move so fast, you know, kind of a thing. Is that kind <sighs> of what you were saying, Greg?
0: Yeah, yeah, that that is science. The electrons
1: yeah. and atoms, like they move, they're here. Like what yeah. you think is a solid, it's not actually a solid. It's just the vibration of like, you correct me if I'm wrong? I don't remember all of this stuff. But like, it's just the they're all vibrating so fast together. It makes it solid Is that.
0: Yeah, it, well, it it's their very nature to be two things at once that seem impossible to our, our mind. Like, how, how can that be? It's either a particle or a wave. No, it's both. And, and, and like, it only makes sense for, through their theories. They're saying, well, here's how they behave. We do it again and again. They call it this, the double slit experiment or whatever. And it confirmed, like, no, these are acting like both of those. Well, that doesn't make sense to my mortal mind. Therefore, it has to be wrong. Really? Okay, well, have fun with God, <laughs> because um, God does similar things that are mind-blowing. And if you, to, to understand the true nature of God, you have to first understand he gives, for instance, gifts, not as the world giveth. So if you think, oh, I will know if God gives me a gift, sometimes you don't, because sometimes that gift is a weakness, Well, what kind of parent, you told me he's he's my parent. What kind of parent would give somebody a weakness? A parent that wants that child to cry out and say, hey, daddy, um, can you help me? And then daddy comes and helps, um, which is the main purpose of the weakness. Um, I give unto men weaknesses that they may what? Be humble. And if men humble themselves and have faith in me, I will make weak things become strong. Well, skip that part about the weakness, Jesus. Just give me the strength. (laughs) That's not how it works. Why? Because that's not how electrons work. Well, that sucks. I think I'm going to curse you and die. Okay, try that. Um, And so he lets us act out and try things. So I'm just thinking about the atheist who's like, I got this story that Jesus doesn't exist and things just happen. uh, And it's all random. And you know what I'd say? Sweet. Play that out. Tell me more how that's working out for you. In fact, you don't even have to tell me. I'll just watch how it works out for you because I'm playing a different game. I'm believing in Jesus. Well, do you know that Jesus is real? I don't. You, you're, you're just going on your belief. That's correct. Um, well, first off, I wouldn't do that. I follow the science. I only do the things that are true. <laughs> I'm like, you don't know science very well. The science runs on hypothesis guesses best guesses um and if that person was honest they'd go touche touche yeah i guess faith is required of the atheist faith is required and imagination is required of the scientists and um if they had a soft heart they'd say fare thee well brother and so if i have a soft heart i say fare thee well brother um and that's where jesus has taken me like don't judge greg um you're You're running on beliefs. They're beliefs I'll die for. I have unbeliefs too. Like, I unbelieve in you, Jesus. Please help my unbelief. And he does through second witnesses and so forth that you guys could care less about. Most people could care less about all the second witnesses I get. But I also don't care that you don't care. (laughs) They help me get along and stay the course. And it's a course that's working for me. And if it wasn't, I'm like, I'm joining atheist land. Go ahead, Jonathan.
2: I wanted to give back to just remind you that Emily was going somewhere with her comment on that. So I, I sure. want to make
0: sure. She... No, go ahead, Emily. Yep. I, I had that talking stick too long. Glad you intervened, uh, Jonathan. Well,
1: now I, now I'm forgetting my comment. I right.
0: Well, that was God's had... will. God, God's will was for me just to say a bunch of stuff. So that you would forget it. I believe. Yeah. I'm, I'm going with that one. <laughs>
1: oh, I remember my comment now.
0: Hey, okay. there we go. <laughs> See, it
1: worked. Um, I was, That also reminds me, it's kind of like what we've talked about with this whole Jesus in this mess thing. And um, we've talked before about, you know, messes happen. And it's kind of like, in that mess, do you seek God or do you go another way? And if you go another way, that's not necessarily bad. It's just, you know, you're kind of choosing what you're going to deal with. Um, But I I personally feel like when I choose to go to God, it it makes my mess more livable. And I like to feel that there's a purpose. I don't like, like I choose to believe in God because I don't like the idea of living and just being like, this is all there is. I don't like that thought. It doesn't make me feel good. I don't, um, it just makes me kind of lose hope. And so having that belief that like there is, you know, that there's something, it just makes me feel, I don't know, it makes me feel better it also um i don't know i don't know where i was going with that
0: someone else can go no i think that's very valid um way to live how does it make you feel go to this chiropractor go to that chiropractor my wife and i were just talking about that actually jesus just laid down today the parable the chiropractor i keep telling people about the chiropractor i'm like I wouldn't be going to Jesus, and I certainly wouldn't be getting more Jesus if it wasn't working. If anybody knew me deeply, they're like, that guy is really heavy on intellectualism and explicitness and so forth. And he's all all ultimately about results, getting results. He's like scientific-minded, which I am. PhD in sociology. I geek out on science. And you know what? I'm interested in results. And if you're getting results, here's the thing. I'm not very wedded to convention. So if I can get results doing a weird thing, I'd prefer to do that It just makes it more interesting. But but if I'm just doing a weird thing, it's not getting me results that I care about. No, I'm not interested in that. You know, here, Greg, drink some beer. What does it taste like? Well, initially, vinegar. Uh, Why would I want to do that? Well, because it's cool. Okay, is that the biggest reason you can give me? Well, it'll taste good later. Well, poop will taste good later. I could get used to anything. I'm human. We're adaptive. So do you have a better reason? No, Mueller, just get with the program. Uh, You're not fun. Uh, That's another reason. And so I'm kind of, um, uh, well, back to results, (laughs) because that's why Emily's doing it. I finally realized, guess what, Greg? Everybody's trying to find their way. And guess how they find their way? Feelings, feelings, nothing more than feelings and if it feels good I'm going to do it again until it runs out and go my beer's not taking care of all my problems it had this promise because for a while it seemed to take care of all my problems and then it got pretty sucky and my money's gone and everybody complains about my drinking I just thought hey if if a little beer's good a lot of beer's got to really be good Well, I was wrong about that. Now I'm at AA meeting and they're saying, yeah, that's the freaking devil lie. Or some of them say, well, I prefer to call it the higher law, or I just prefer to call it the universe. And so then they come to other conclusions. Let's try a different way. Like no beer. They go, well, sober tastes crappy, but you know what? It works better. So let me summarize where I was at. (laughs) I'm big on results. And Jesus is always saying, uh, if I was a chiropractor, I'd say, Jesus, you do some weird stuff The doctors would not approve of. But guess what, Jesus? He goes, I'm getting results. I'm saying, you're getting results I've never seen before. (laughs) Whatever you're doing, and you are doing some weird stuff, it's working. And so anyhow, there's my, my take. I'm not doing it because it's the religious thing to do. It's the traditional things to do. Your parents are going to be so happy. No. In fact, anybody who knows me well know I do Christianity pretty differently. But whatever I'm doing that Jesus puts in my heart, it's starting to work a lot. I'm like, wow, I can trust you, Jesus, my imaginary friend who's real, who's my therapist. Go ahead, Jonathan.
2: So I was just going to say that I think results is is a key because so often the thing that we have to have faith in is a is a result which so um, God promises. and I kind of think it's may, perhaps that's where it touches that idea of being foreordained, is that he makes his promises and we can trust his promises. Someone will read a scripture and the scripture says, this is for you, not just for whoever you know wrote the scripture. And maybe the scripture says, you will get through this. You will, you know, you will have eternal life. And like, and every time they read it, the spirit says, you'll have eternal life. So despite the fact that everybody gets to make their choice and it's not all necessarily foreordained by God, God can tell us this is how it's going to end up in the end. This is how it's going to end up in the end. So we rely upon the promises of God. Emily, did you have a comment?
1: I did, and then I got really into my painting. <laughs> um, uh, I guess what I was thinking is, um, as I was working, as I'm working on this painting, I'm trying to add some other mountains and other ideas. Just the concept that there are many other ways that we all reach up, and um, and and sometimes doing the not conventional. I was thinking it all becomes like we. Oh, I know what I was saying. What you guys are saying reminds me of the whole scripture, by their fruits, you shall know them. And the whole thing we've talked before about seeds. And so when you do things and you see the fruit and you taste it and you say, oh, this is good, then you keep going with it. And like you said before, uh, I think it was great, but like, you know, with the alcohol, like at first, maybe at first, maybe someone's like, this is good and this helps me. And so they do it and then more and then maybe it's not anymore, you know? And so it's like the whole thing about life is it is a big experiment. And that's kind of a big reason why I do what I do here, too, because it's a place where I feel safe to experiment. There is absolutely, and this is one of the reasons that I think, like I said, I did my master's in uh, art education. And and one of the questions we always have to answer, and also as an art teacher, is why is art important? In a world like where science and engineering make all the money, why is it important? And kind of one of the things I came up with is you have to have a place that's safe to fail. And, you know, and it's always a really interesting concept to me when I taught um, art in college and also in high school, everyone's first thing, whenever they first come into my class is, uh, or even like, like I had open house this week with students who are going to be sophomores or whatever. And the first thing they always say is I suck at art and I'm really bad at it. And they're like really worried or um, something I've tried to have a conversation with them with before is of all the things in this world to suck at, art is a really safe place. (laughs) <laughs> to to fail like there is there's is no overarching thing that's gonna like screw you over if you don't feel like you're good at art I think you know an art is about this whole idea of exploring and trying new things that may or may not work like right now I'm like I'm gonna paint these other mountains I don't really like how they're looking right now and I other thing I've always told my students is they're like I hate my piece it just looks terrible and I'm like everything you do goes through an ugly phase is what I call it you have to work through the ugly phase until there's something you like. And uh, and I think it's really the same with life. Like we all have this, there's always an ugly phase going on in life. And I'm like, and like some people are like, how do you know when your painting's done? And then I'm like, well, I don't think it's ugly anymore. You know? <laughs> or like, it's yeah. same, like if, if you think it's ugly, it's just not done. Or maybe you have to take a break from it and come back to it later. Or maybe the whole concept you had was just flawed. And, and it just there was no way there's always something you can do to work on it. The other thing with art that I have done and I've started doing the past few years is painting over art. Um like like this one you guys see right here, that dream one. It's sideways, but I started this dream one several weeks ago. That's like the third or fourth at least the third painting on here. This was a realistic portrait painting. Then it became an abstract painting. And now it's that dream painting that I still need to finish, but to look at that dream um, and I don't know I get stuck with it like I'm like I don't know where to go like it's really hard for me to say like it's done I'm really good at starting things and it's really hard for me to finish and I, I think it's kind of but I think that all ties back to Jesus into the atonement because Jesus made it safe for us to fail
0: Hallelujah. He did it, so, Yeah, he did. yeah
1: and, and that's really what it's about Jesus did it so you can experiment and you can try these things and say yeah that didn't work like yeah, one of the things I'm doing it. on here. Like one of the things I'm doing on here, I'm working with different grits and like there's this one that's like this muddy grit. It just, it does not, I don't know if you guys can see this close enough oil and water. Can you guys see like there's oil and water mixed there? Yes. Um, they don't mix. And so you're getting, I'm getting like little dots of color, like I'm purposely mixing watered down mud with oil paint. And so I'm getting like these dots of color. But it does like this really cool effect. I've learned. I've never done this before. But it does like this really cool effect. I don't know if you can see on the head here. I'll have to. I don't want to take this out because. But I don't know if you can see on the face up here. There's spots of color. It's like there's dark brown mixed in with white.
0: Point um, for for the audience and me. Point to Jesus's face or whatever. This is a
1: profile of his face. Okay, he's 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 laying down. Okay. He's not actually, I don't know if he's laying down. He's definitely looking up. Okay. I haven't decided what his body's doing or if just we are his body. I love that. It's a Christian song I love. We are the body, you know, or that scripture, we are the body of Christ. Um, so I haven't decided about his body, but he's looking up and like, here's his beard. Um, and then, like I said, right now, I'm kind of adding some other mountains. I need to watch and observe some other mountains, but, um. but the whole, what I'm saying is if the uh, results are unexpected, but it doesn't mean that they're fat and like, I'm just like, okay, I can, I can roll with this. And so, um, like I said before, like paintings how I come to God. It's because it helps me look at life in a way where I'm like, things don't go as expected, but can I work with it? Yeah. You know, I, I have kind of this idea, like in life, I have this idea of what I want, but I, you know, I can't do it on my own. And I try different things. And then it don't work. And then sometimes I set up crazy rules for myself that there's really no reason for. I'm like, oh, I can't use paintbrushes. Um, it's killing me on this painting. Um, and so so I actually resulted. I'm like, it is a toothbrush. Toothbrush, this is still, this isn't I, a real paintbrush.
0: I, I saw you using something. I thought, is she using a paintbrush? I thought she was violating the law. I was about to know, right? accuse you of hypocrisy. The law of Emily. She's a yeah. Christian who's uh, hypocrisy. She's using
1: a paintbrush. Yes, like, I, think, I think that it still works. This is very still unconventional,
0: yes, it is. Uh, but
1: it still gives me my brush. Can not yes. get paint inside all the cracks. I have to have something I could mush in there. I tried paper towels, I tried my fingers. Please say that it doesn't violate the rules. Paintbrushes, right? Not violating. I'll be in agreement. This is not. Oh, yes, paintbrush. I, I'm with okay. you. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's okay. right. Do the paint because I'm going
1: to do clouds and. Clouds
0: are really easy with the paper. Yes. Well, <laughs> okay. and if you know if you know Emily <laughs> long enough, and, and Jonathan and Greg, you know that we make our own rules. That we we um, so when you talk about art in a safe place to uh, to experiment, um, that's what I like about what you're doing. Is like you do set up rules. It's like a new new game. You say, okay, here's the game I was I'm trained at. You're like, I'm not playing that game anymore. I'm playing this other one. And but you yeah, still, I'm
1: like I can yeah, I beat that game, so yeah, now I'm going to do a new game exactly.
0: So, you, <laughs> and, and you set up new rules that are kind of like little kids and say, Oh, can, can we just um, do this? And so, you maybe move the goal um, post further because you want the game to last a little longer, you want your passes to go further, or, or uh, you don't want to hit the window, or something like that. And um, that is a pattern for how as i get closer to christ um he doesn't emphasize sin he says just get closer to me that's all it is and he's and he's he's redefined sin sin is when you're away from me greg whatever keeps you away from me so he says you want more jesus that's called repentance you need to repent in other words change yourself rules and and i do set up rules um that help me get closer to him one as i wake up in the morning i see these four sing these four songs Sometimes I, my wretched self, or even just my intellectual self wants to just like skip the songs, but then I can hear Jesus like, well, you can do that, but here's what I want you to do. So I go back to bed and I sing the songs all the way through most of the time, but sometimes like using Emily's metaphor, he'll say, okay, skip that. Use the toothbrush. Let's go make a movie together, whatever. Like, really? Okay. Um, and other times I'm just loving the rules like, Oh, I'm glad I did all four songs. And so, um, it's a safe place to fail. I, I like what you're saying. Um, cause I would, if, if I had to preach something to my fellow LDS brethren and sister, it was, uh, that's what I've found is it's worth the risk. Um, you may lose some of your righteousness or your perceived righteousness, but, um, I think it's worth doing that and Jesus will forgive you because he's so kind. <laughs> you don't know how kind he is. You're like, no, I forgive you. Really? Yeah. I forgive you. Let's go. What he cares more about. Let's get down the road. Okay. Yeah. You, you learned that, didn't you? Yeah. I learned that that's not the way. Okay. Well, let's go. So anyways, Jonathan, I saw your hand up.
2: Um, I am. Um, I think that too, sometimes, um, Uh, The safe to fail thing, um, really, it it seems like we come to earth to fail. Um, It's like we came from a place of perfection, right? And it's the one thing we didn't have there. Um, Well, I guess there's a few things we didn't have. We didn't have failure. We didn't have corruption. We didn't have, um, you know, corruptibleness, like, you know, tangibleness um, in the sense of like something that would age, something that, um, I don't know, it's like there's, so we kind of came to to do that. Um, and that's not to say that you you necessarily throw yourself into... Um, into uh, We've talked about this too, throw yourself into sin. Although there is. So <laughs> this is what went through my mind. And this will sound like a bit of a paradox and maybe her- a little bit heretical. But I'm going to say it anyway. So first of all, sometimes we inherit a messed up painting. So, you know, it, You know the idea of the sins of the fathers being visited upon, the, and the mothers visited upon the children to the third and fourth generation. It's like, because we act out of what we think, we think because of certain ideas, and we inherit those ideas from our parents. Um, and they're even kind of written in our flesh, even children who are they sure are adopted will sometimes have the same, you know, strengths and hangups as their parents did. So we are, um, so we inherit sometimes a painting, which is in the messy phase. And I like that, that you talked about that, Emily, the idea that with a painting, it always goes through an ugly phase. So we're sometimes we're, it's, it's like, you know, a child that maybe doesn't have the best looks, you know, you know, they they have an ugly face, boy, that's an ugly baby, you know, um, it's pretty rare, but I've, seen a few um and it's nothing they can do about it you know like they were born with certain genetics and you know um the cool thing is though so like like sometimes we're born with a painting in the messy phase our souls can be that way our souls can be imprinted by our parents in such a way that see our parents were working through something like maybe my dad was working through this idea that alcohol will help to fix your problems, but he didn't get all the way through it. He didn't get all the way through to the point where he realized alcohol doesn't fix your problems. So now I, in order, I may have to pick up the painting that dad gave me and work through it. Not necessarily that I you know it's just it just so happens that the first drink i take i'm an alcoholic and i can't i can't help it so i pick up right where he left off and maybe now i have to play that through to the point where i decide wait a minute you know and i can move on to something else because it may grip me and if i don't well then my child may have to pick up the ugly the painting in its ugly phase and work through it and um this may sound strange, I'll just say this last thing, but there have been times where I felt impressed to continue down a road that people didn't understand. And I think what I was doing really is I was trying to finish out my parents' ugly face. It's like, it's like because I was beating my head against a wall, trying to do it the way that everybody said was right. It was like the only avenue that I could see was to try on this um, this paradigm that was flawed and fully do it you know and find out for myself what it was about it that was right and what about it about it that was wrong it's like going through the painting you know working with it and and then finally like once like i kind of came to that there was like a breakthrough and it was like now i can let it go you know now i i don't need to be you know changing jobs quite so frequently But for a while it was all that I could do and there was a sense in which I had to work through that phase because it was I inherited it you know from my dad not from my mom I'm always good at keeping a job (laughs) but I had to finish it out so that I could then you know the painting could get through its ugly phase and on to something else and so this is what I kind of I kind of wonder like you know we all come from an LDS background and there's this idea of, of, you know, it's like the redemption for our ancestors. And, you know, we always talk about doing ordinances and things in the temple form and stuff, but it's like, I wonder if this is more like an ingrained way that we do a kind of genealogy that it's like, it's like, you know, we are, we provide, there's a real redemption that is provided when our parents in heaven, grandparents can watch us work through the thing, you know, and in a sense, their their genes are going through us. They they are us. So they are working it through as we work it through. Emily, I think, did you have a comment? I probably made you forget it. I took too long.
1: No, I just really like that last topic or the last thing that you said, that there's kind of a redeeming way that like if maybe us working through the messes and some of the messes we inherited is somehow redeeming to those that came before us. Uh I mean, I think we all have things that we get from our past. A uh, good and bad. Uh, like for example, a lot of my personality. Uh, my husband and I we call it like the, the Fife personality, um, which is my mom's maiden name. so all like so all of my mom's siblings and her, and a lot of my cousins, we have this very kind of like dominant personality that's just like always in leadership, always in leadership, right? Always the boss, always like just kind of this really strong my way or the highway kind of personality and um and it's something I have I struggle with a lot and I've been working against this and there's good things about it too though like it's just again it's that leadership it's that like somebody needs to be be in control fine I'll take control because you're in like a big group it's like really good at handling giant group situations like my mom came from a really big family and you know my grandma and so I always wonder if it's that um but some of it I think goes back to heritage I mean that's like a whole nother story but anyways uh I don't know where I was going with that just like I just really like that thought that sometimes we inherit messes and sometimes we make them ourselves and sometimes it's just sometimes for me like I, I've talked in the past about the whole idea of a I'm really trying hard not to shame myself like sometimes at the end of the night I'll be like oh I shouldn't have done that and I wasted all this time and Or I ate all this food that was bad for me and it made my stomach. That's something I do all the time. I just get addicted to eating food. I know I don't look like a food addict, but um, I also do a lot of, I'm also really busy, so that helps. But but like, but then I like make myself like physically ill eating like, oh, I shouldn't have eaten that whole entire thing of Oreos, but they were so good. And you know, I, I have a lot of weakness that way. Um. So what i'm trying to say is sometimes there's these messes we create ourselves and it's really one thing i'm trying to do is let go of that whole idea like yeah you should have eaten a whole sleeve of oreos but i can't change it now i did and just like not shame myself and just being like yeah i made this mess um however it's not the mess to end all messes like there's still another day and life still moves on and there's yeah. still there's still reason to go on. Yeah, you guys can go ahead. I'm done yeah, for today. And, Time's
0: almost up. And, but yeah. And the one thing I'd like to do is say, what's sweet is I didn't go get a whole new pack and eat that too. Woohoo! That's right. You know. Uh,
1: <laughs> it might be because the pack ran out.
0: Oh yeah. That, that's God helping us. That, yeah, that's right.
1: He's helping us by limiting the size of the pack.
0: And and we're too lazy to go get in our car, drive to the store and get another pack, so we're not that exactly
1: attractive. exactly no. so there's a there's a plan in there Indeed,
2: <laughs> that's what i was going to say was just like we get a choice then to believe that's our only real choice we can we can be filled with light with the idea that god was gracious or we can say no it's all me and the only reason i didn't need it was because I didn't buy more Oreos. <laughs> and the one leads to despair. That way of thinking leads to despair and despondency. So I'll, just, I'll, I'll make this my closing comment. Last night, I, I had a day where I was feeling kind of scatterbrained. You, I've talked to you guys a little bit about why I would feel that way at the moment. Um, before we started, but but basically last night I just you know I was like do I do this like do do that and I whenever I get in that phase it's not a good place for me and um, and at the end of it I just turned on Planet of the Apes the original 1968 or whatever version and um, and I was struck it's a very materialistic movie it's all about you know the idea that you know there is no transcendent higher you know that we just were all gonna... notice that inherent in that way of thinking to us, the whole movie is kind of saying that humans like like I've studied story structure, so I know how this works. And there's a message in every movie. And the best I could take from that movie is that humans are going to screw up everything and destroy everything. That was pretty much the message of the movie. It's like it's in our nature to be completely destructive of everything and that we basically don't deserve to live on the planet it's like that's our choice with god yeah i'll just make this the end with god there's something else besides just us if it's just us you know it's like if our view is materialistic and there is no rhyme or reason in it if that's what we believe then it doesn't help okay that's all i'll say today
0: No, that's good. We've come to the end of time. Any comments, Emily? All right, then I'm going to stop the recording.